Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the DOS Dissection. I'm joined, as always, by Reese. Hello, Reese. How are you? Hey, young Callan. Good, good, mate. Uh, good to be back again. Good to have you, as always. And we're joined by a special guest today. This is a bloke who's played 58 games of AFL at the big level. He was actually a super coach prodigy coming out in his first season and averaging 95.2 super coach points. Not many people can do that. That is uh, Liam Anthony. Welcome on board today, Liam. How are you? I'm good, Callan, Race. Thanks for having me, boys. No worries. Pleasure to have you. So, uh, welcome on the pod. Do you want to give us a quick rundown on how, you, how your fantasy team's doing so far this year, Liam? Yeah, uh, I think as per last year, when I lived in Melbourne, I was... Uh, Moved from fantasy over over to super coach, uh, but now being back in WA, I I have jumped back over to fantasy footy. So I know there's a lot of similarities, but there is some differences, as we know, um, getting more points for contested possessions and the efficiency of the disposals and the times of goals and things like that with super coach, where, where fantasy is more um, exact points for kick marks, handball. So I think I'm currently sitting 13th thousand which I'm a little bit annoyed with to be honest um, I do rate myself as a fantasy coach um, and yeah I think my first three weeks the captain's pick is, has really cost me um, I've vice captain to McRae um, and got greedy on a few occasions and I've captained Josh Kelly after his big pre-season um, but it hasn't really paid dividends yet so Sitting 38,000 uh, in Australia in, in fantasy um, with, with a solid team. Um, but I would say if I ha- had my captain's pick correct, um, I dare say I'd be quite a bit higher than that. Yeah, the captain's really down that same tough. path, Liam. We, we, we've all been burnt a little bit on the captains, especially those that have been captaining Gorn and Grundy as usual. They've been burnt. Uh, Josh Kelly, as you mentioned, is one that has... Not quite produced so far, but definitely has the capability. I said last week on the pod, I reckon he could win a ground low if he uh, was consistent and um, stayed fit. Um, so those of you who don't uh, know, the listeners, Liam, you're actually the head coach of Frio CBC First Grade Ammos. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit how the team's shaping up this year? Yeah, um, second year in charge of the, the league boys. Um, I've been down at the club for four years, potentially, four or five years. Um, so when I finished up at East Freo, I went down, I had a few mates there. Um, yeah, I had a bit of a run around, still plan to have a bit of a run around. Um, but yeah, I took on the reserves gig for two years. Um, so I'd coach the reserves and then head over and warm up with the boys for about five minutes and, and try and play in the senior team but I think what I've noticed with with that level of footy is even in four years it it has improved out of sight Um, there's some quality players running around in the competition uh, to the point where I'd be pretty comfortable in saying that it'd be the equivalent of waffle reserves Um, so yeah we we picked up some Big names in the off-season. Um, George Hampson, who's a three-times waffle best and fairest. Um, so I played with him at East Freo. Um, I also got one of my good mates, Jack Perham, across from North Freo. So he's uh, done the Also big... a Jelton product too, Joe, uh, Liam. 
He is. Um, so he's done the big change um, from rival club. Um, we also picked up uh, Matt Ward, who won South Fremantle's reserves, best and fairest, um, last year. Probably should have played more league games, but he's a, he's a big inside midfielder. And then we've also had a, a couple of younger crew um, that were probably injury-prone with their time at South Fremantle. So centre-half forward, Johnny Frampton, um, Billy's brother, and then another couple of kids, Brody Knight and Ollie Parrish. Um, so there, Ollie, Ollie was a state 18er, but hasn't played for five years. Um, Brody Knight, just injury riddled. Uh, thought he'd just come back and um, yeah, test himself at, at A grade footy. So we think we'll be around the mark this year. We did have round one on the weekend um, and had the meltdown of all meltdowns, kicked the first six and somehow lost 11 50 metre penalties against us. So Ooh, a little bit of... Yeah, just a few discipline four. issues there. You're going to sort out maybe, man? Yeah, I think um, oh, it's definitely something I've got to talk about. It wasn't for anything dirty. It was, um, I think, the umpire, umpire back chats, um, something that was highlighted. Um, in our game, especially, so can't even question. I would know nothing decision. about umpire back chatting, Lee. I was one of the fairest and cleanest players to play the game, and always true. respected the umpire's decision. Everyone always decision. said that about your Reese. Uh, After the game, they always come out and there. said that Reese is a he's a great bloke. <laughs> was complimenting us on our calls. Well, the kind uh, of you are, Reece. I was pretty prone, Liam, for giving a little bit of constructive feedback, just just friendly, of course. Yeah, um, trying to help. You know, it's always. It's a little bit hard to say when you've got a mouth guard in your mouth. So maybe my words didn't come out quite as uh, intended on quite a lot of occasions. Uh, you mentioned a couple of players there, Liam. Um, are these uh, young players that you think could go further in footy? Or do you think that, um, I mean, the draft isn't the be-all, end-all these um, uh, times anymore? Do you think they could potentially yeah, look. push with the experience from you? Uh, oh, look, I'd love to. I'd love to say yes. There is there is some talent coming through, um, but I think with with the with them playing local footy, um, I think a lot of them main aim or, or goal in life is is work prior to football, and that's probably why they are playing local footy. In saying that, however. Um, there is boys that have played Waffle Colts um, and maybe might not have made the final cut. So they have come to apply their trade at local local level, albeit a very good local competition. So the likes of small forwards, Aaron, Aaron Meadows, we've had a kid called Jeff Saunders who debuted as a 19, 20-year-old on the weekend. Um, again, AFL. Not sure if that, that is their ultimate goal, but I think there's definitely potential for some of these lads to, to head back into the waffle system, um, mm. come out, uh, finish their uni or finish their apprenticeships, a little bit more financially set up. Um, so a little bit of stress relief um, and, and mental game plays plays a huge role in how your performance is on field. So Yeah, you mentioned there, Liam, about... Um 
you know, uni can admit it's work, who admits those other things. I know that my time in playing the amateurs, I played for two clubs. I played for Noble and then um, Wesley Curtin in their first there. And the thing that I found was that I didn't want to train three or four nights a week. So, you know, it was always really hard to go any further. Um, you do bring up an interesting point. And my first real question is, I saw an article in the West Australian on the weekend about potentially raising the draft age should it be considered. And the only reason I say this is because there are, um, I feel like, and I'm going to ask you about this, whether the clubs on draft, because there's so many good recruits such as yourself. And I'm just going to name a few here, Harry Taylor and Liam Ryan from the uh, local area. Marlon Pickett was another one with a bit of a troubled background. Tim Kelly, Sam Mitchell won a JJ Liston before he got to go. Matt Prittis won a Sandover before he got to go. And they're both Brownlow medalists. Do you think... Do you think we put an overemphasis on the draft and what would you say to these young guys that potentially could still make it? Oh, I was actually having this conversation yesterday with Tony McHale. So he works with us and obviously pretty knowledgeable bloke in, in WA footy circles. Um, I, I fully believe that player, some players, yes, they're ready at 18, but how many how many first-year draftees at 18 actually play regular senior footy? Um, and there's not a lot. And yes, uh, the ability to train um, under good tutelage uh, is important. But the amount of players that come in and get spat out with no education behind them, and I know AFL clubs say they get players to do development courses and things like that, but in reality it's not as well done as it could be. So I think there's huge merit to ensuring players are set up before they get drafted, um, whether that is at uni with work um, or, or what capacity that is in. Um, the other reason is they've had a couple of years of senior footy under their belt. Um, so a lot of players are drafted on potential and Basically, if they're not doing any study or they haven't educated themselves or they don't have the work ethic off-field to go into something post-career, which could be two, three years potentially, there is a massive, massive risk, um, not only to their mental health, um, but yeah, to their livelihoods post-footy because a lot of them think that it's the be-all and end-all. And I think the average career is three or four years still. So having something set up behind you, having seen your footy experience so you clubs realise, yeah, the kid can play um, rather than relying on potential, which, yes, yeah, sometimes it comes off, but a lot of the time it probably doesn't. Um, so do you think the draft day should be raised and do you think clubs should perhaps maybe allocate a few spots more to these mature age rookies? I 100% do. And as I said, I was talking about Booby, Tony, yesterday. And you only have to look at what some of the boys did for the Eagles the week before without an AFL prison, without knowing the structures, the game plans as anywhere near as well as what they should. When uh, Black and Gyro and these blokes played for West Coast, they didn't look, and I know it was only against a kangaroos outfit, but they didn't look too out of place. I thought Aaron Black looked fantastic and, you know, he's a Sandover medalist and never got looking and now he's 29. You know, you think, geez, if these guys have got picked up three or four years earlier, 
and, and you know, like you said, they don't look out of place. They look pretty good. They're raring to go. And I think maybe the one thing is, you know, you're going to get them, you're going to get them for nothing. You can put them on a rookie list and, you know, you, you potentially could get yourself a premiership from just mature age rookies. Yeah, I think that's huge merit to it personally. Um, you look at some of the second, third year AFL players running around at state level competitions that probably are struggling to make the, the best 22. Um, you, you've got some stars like last year, Greg Clark, Aaron Black, these sort of boys, I know at Waffle level, like Bolton, and um, th there's many more that are starring at Waffle level just aren't given that opportunity. Um, so as you said, you can pick them up with a low pick, you can pick them up in the rookie draft, but I, I definitely think there's massive merit to, to targeting a couple per per year because yeah, you, they're tried and treasured. You, you know what you're going to get from them. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I, See, we, we've actually seen this ourselves, Liam, uh, with some of these, I mean, some of the guys in Asian footy, um, you know, may not be able to relate, but, you know, some of the guys in Jakarta would have seen, um, we got a bloke up there by the name of uh, Butcher, and he's played his best at, uh, footy at the age of 43. I mean, he was no good in Melbourne. He was no good in Australia. And he's, he's, he's actually found his rhythm a little bit at age 43. And to date, kicked something like 400, uh, sorry, 547 lofty cap goals. So I think what you're saying has some genuine merit. Yeah, I do too. And I'm not saying we definitely have to raise the draft age. I just think clubs need to probably look outside the box a little bit much. Um, it seems to me that recruiters are so, uh, let me put it, scared of losing their job um, that they're reluctant to recruit a mature age player because if you recruit a young player on potential, I suppose there's less chance of a coach or a, a board um, coming back down on you for getting it wrong. Whereas if you recruit a, a tried season campaigner and it doesn't go right, um, yeah, there'll be questions being asked. So not raising the age for everyone, but there's definitely merit in, in starting to recruit some of these state-based um, guns. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. And uh, I think it really works out for our super coaches when you look at people like Jack Hayes, Nick Martin and Mitchell Hinge have all done really well um, this season. Um, it was really good to get your thoughts on that, Liam. Uh, we have a topic which is very pressing in Supercoach um, at the moment, especially after the last round, and that is tagging. Uh, do you think tagging is a bit of a lost art in the AFL? And do you think clubs should do it a little bit more, given on the weekend, Neil was held pretty, pretty well on the weekend... Zach Merritt didn't play that well. I know he's going to be injured. Brayshaw was tagged out of the game for the first half before West Coast decided this is pointless. And probably the best one was Took Miller, who has had, I think, 30 games of 27 disposals or more in a row, and he got 17 on the weekend. Do you think clubs should do this more often? And if, if they don't, why, why do you think that's the reason? Yeah, uh, another good, good question and something... As, well, yesterday, I drive to Narragin every Monday to, to run school programs and run the academy down there for South Romano. And it was another conversation Tony and I had. Um, coaches talk about systems and uh, if, if you tag, it, it disrupts their system both defensively and offensively. And 
whilst I do understand that, most of these players play inside mid. So with regard to the structural positions, whether you're tagging them or not, you're going to be in at the contest with, with an opponent. So sh- structurally, I don't think you're, you're missing too much by tagging, especially at stoppage or in the contest. And, and then in general, play in offensive, defensive transition. Um, I, I really struggle to see how it impacts your, your whole uh, ball movement mechanisms and defensive mechanisms by tagging. I think if you can cut out their best player, it's got huge merit to the overall result, personally. Um, you think, would, you think tagging is more more than just manning up and being accountable? Because, I mean, you see a lot of these plays in AFL. I mean, no one likes being played on, let's face it. So, um, you know, if you're going head-to-head with someone, obviously you're just going to run off each other. You don't actually play on each other. Is it just about being accountable or is it a little bit more than that? It's a mental game as well. Um, I think when players know that I've got someone with me everywhere, it automatically uh, changes their mindset. Um, it is, it's a great question. And, and I'll, it's something I would love to be able to ask AFL coaches is how disruptive can it be to your overall system and structure by, by tagging? Um, so are, tag, are tags unbreakable? No, they are definitely breakable, um, but you need to rely on teammates. Um, and like the West Coast's back in when Juddy, Cousins and Kerr and, and then your Brisbane's back in the day, you they rely heavily on selfless teammates. If, if it is just one-to-one, it can become a long day. Um, but if teammates block and hit, and that's just not at the contest, that's around the ground. And it's nothing dirty. It's just when they're running, standing in front of their way, creates some separation. Um, so I'm not saying they're unbreakable. I'm just saying if you can limit the efficiency of disposal. So yeah, they might get 25 still, but if it's a sloppy handball or a quick kick out of pack lock and you're nullifying Petrarca to those sort of disposals, you're reducing his overall numbers, yes. But if you're reducing the impact of those disposals, especially someone like Petrarca who can go inside 50 quite often and, and he can score, I think there's got to be huge merit to it. Um, so just better. to relate that to Supercoach, I mean, in my opinion, and this is the way I've set my team up, I've gone for some players who I think are absolutely untaggable, and that is Cripps, Oliver and Steele. I just, I just don't think you can tag them. I don't, I don't know who would go if the coach said, all right, you're going to go tag Brady Cripps at every stoppage. You just go, fuck, can someone else take it? I've got, I've got a tight hamstring. But, I mean, I'm not talking about the likes of Neil Merritt, Rachel Miller. If you've got those blokes, do you think do you think uh, you need to be a little bit worried if, if clubs are going to employ the tag on them week, week in, week out? Definitely. It, it's something that I, I think if you speak to most of the superstars who had run with throughout their careers, early on they struggled. Um, and if if your best players aren't impacting the game as per usual, naturally or organically, it's, it's going to affect overall team performance. So it's a coaching tool. It's a, it's a team for selfless approach where they need support and, and whether they, they play a selfless role themselves and, and try and go to an opposition player to allow someone else to be free at stoppage or, or things like that. There's got to be 
coaches have got to have tools and mechanisms to to support their own team, but they also need to work with that player individually on a mental base to be able to educate them enough on how to deal with those tags. Um, and then if it's not their day, how they can still um, provide value um, to the team. So as you said, it is, there's some players it is tough. Like at stoppage, yeah, cutting out Crips and Steel and these sort of blokes is tough. But I still feel like there is times when, when those players um, get, get caught up in the play through, uh, through the arcs. So they get used through the arcs. Um, they're the sort of positions I think you can cut down on. And if you do stop some of these players getting eight to 10 touches in the first quarter, it, it, it can support um, the other three quarters. So what I'm saying is if, mm. if you can put them off mentally early but they're not getting all their touches, yeah, they're still great stoppage players, but you might be able to cut their uh, uncontested position down. Um, yeah, well, bit. it was it was certainly effective on the weekend uh, of what I saw against Neil and, and the likes of Miller. And I mean, I don't, I've never had a tag too often in my playing days, but yeah, I did have one young bloke. I think his name was Swan or Dane or something like that. Tagged me up in uh, Butter on one one game, and I just took him into the stoppage and and beat him pretty easily, kicking three. But yeah, no, nah. I mean, everyone has their own ways of of beating a tag, I guess. Um, but yeah, no, that's very interesting. Talking about super coach, I don't think I'd be too happy if I had Took Miller at the moment. He looked like he's very susceptible to a tag, especially with his team around him. But yeah, I, I can't see Crips, Oliver, and Steele getting tagged too much. Can you? It's funny because um, Took started as a tagger. Yeah, yeah. it's true. <laughs> it's very interesting. So. Yeah, what a good midfielder to start as a tag as Steel as well. Started as a tagger. Now he's tagger. chopping it up. Teaches you how to play defensive, it get those tackle counts up, and then also be able to get your own ball as well. It, it is so true. You, you learn good running patterns because good footballers take you to the ball. Um, yeah, true. Yeah, so any player being untaggable, oh, look, it is tough to stop some players, but I still think you can reduce the overall impact by sitting someone on a person um, for 100 minutes of footy. Mm. All right, yeah. well... Um... And just back to the tagging on Supercoach, whether it is something you have to worry about or not, I reckon there's a few taggers you've got to look out for. Obviously, DeBoer at GWS, he is quite a good one. But apart from that, there's a few teams that use taggers here and there, but um, there's not many that do it really consistently. They might randomly chuck one on, like there's Mark O'Connor for Geelong, who sometimes gets a job. He might get one on Lucky Neil this week. Um, but these days, well, this season at least, I don't know if there's too many that consistently tag all the time. I'd pretty much look out for DeBoer. If you're considering trading someone in, if you've got GWS that way, that week, then maybe wait. But, you know, if, it, if it's still like a bit down the line, then I wouldn't let it let you worry about it too much. That's true, Carl, so and true. I look out for DeBoer when, when he's playing a gun. And when I do my captains and vice captains, I look for that. So I, I yeah. reckon if DeBoer tags Neil, there's no way I'll be putting a captain on him. Yeah, it's definitely more of a captain's vice captain kind of thing. If you see that they're playing GWS that week, then you probably shouldn't chuck the captain on um, that kind of thing. But in terms of trades and who you should trade in, maybe consider it. But yeah, it's not going to stop you from trading in an absolute gun. It is interesting, isn't it, looking at the, yeah, trying to forecast who certain players will go to. Um, so, for instance, are they going to go to Oliver or are they going to go to Petrarca? 
they going to cut Walsh Walsh out because they can't get to Cripps? What are they going to do? So it is always interesting mm-hmm. that captain's pick. Uh, the Blues run tag will land. They're up and firing, and we're going to make four this year. You watch us. Um, Kalen, uh, what super coach chat have we got for this week? All right. So first off, I thought we'd talk about the ruck situation. It's an interesting one, I think. Um, sort of been unsettled this year. It's always traditionally been the set and forget with Grundy and Gorn. And Gorn did have a comeback game on the weekend, which was uh, good for him to see, but it's still uncertain with him. So I'm going to throw a few ruck options out there. Most people probably have Grundy, but that second spot is sort of a bit unsettled, I think. Um, let me know what you guys think about this. The first one I want to talk about is English. Big Timmy English. I think you've got him, Reese has come out like a house on fire. Uh, against Sydney, he got a 152. That last quarter, he was rucking against basically no ruck because Hickey went off, but he has had a pretty impressive start to the season and he's got forward eligibility as well. What do you reckon about him, Reese? Yeah, I put him in my forward line uh, and went for Grundy and Marshall. Now, Marshall hasn't really set the world on fire at the moment. In saying that, I don't think there's anyone really to get. I had a look at Wits, but uh, I think you might as well just stick with Marshall at the moment. He's averaged 90-odd last year. So without any real standouts, I think I'll just run with Marshall at the moment and just keep Big Timmy in my forward line. What do you reckon, Braden Proust, look, Braden Proust, I was just having a quick look. He got on top of Witsy on the weekend. Um, yeah, he was Absolute man mountain. Whether he can he can uh, do it consistently is another another question. But, yeah, I was like, um, maybe Callan, like you, I, I got Gorn, Grundy, locked, loaded, sat back, and, yeah, they've unfortunately not struggled, but they're not putting out numbers like they should be or that you expect. So, um, Rowan Marshall... You would expect to be probably next in line, or, or uh, not Sam, not Source Jacobs, but Riley O'Brien from from Adelaide. But yeah, it does look like a little bit of times are turning a little bit. I think Timmy English is going to be a star, um, but yeah, outside of that, there isn't too many ruckmen that you can probably recruit or, or trade in and just be confident that they're going to deliver 90 plus every week. I know we um, ripped us about this earlier in the year about how we're rucking Jack Hayes um, but honestly it doesn't look like a bad option at the moment considering the rucks aren't doing that well. Keep him for another week I mean he scored just as good as Marshall on the weekend so maybe there is a little bit of value in like Bruce or uh, Hayes or some of these lesser likes at the moment. I think Meek was pretty good on the weekend. That's another one but, you know, Darcy coming back, will he still have an influence? I don't know. But, yeah, at the moment, I probably wouldn't be looking to upgrade to a Ruckman anytime soon. It's a tough, it's a tough one. Prusy does look pretty good, but then you've got Flynn waiting in the wings as well. So, it's anyway with him. And he's only played one game. Bruce had already played two games, scored 100-plus in both. He got 109 in the weekend. I'd almost look at trading Marshall to Bruce this week. But he's only played one game, so he's got to play one more before his price rises. And then is he going to get rested? You just don't know what's going to happen there. So I'm cons- I've got Marshall as well. I've actually got Grundy and Marshall and just worried about Ryder back in now. They played Ryder as the number one ruck. So he attended more ruck contests than Marshall on the weekend. So that's a worrying sign. I thought maybe Ryder would play more forward and Marshall would rock dominantly. But considering that, I'm actually considering switching to English. And then later, once I know who's the, who's the dominant ruck, then I can switch Timmy to the forward line and then chuck another ruck in there. Um, so I'm looking at that week, this week, but let's, let's see. 
And then next topic, just on the rookies quickly, there's not too much to talk about as it's sort of rookies already having their price rise, but one rookie that hasn't had a price rise yet and is, I think, a must trade in is Nick Martin. He's got a break even of negative 124. He's expected to go up in price $97,000. So I didn't have him at the start. I'm trading him in this week because I think he's a must have. Um, Do you have to get him in, you reckon, Reese, if you don't have him? Absolutely. Uh, I don't have him either. I, I could have got him last week, but I thought, no, no, just wait another week, get another bit of money out of these rookies. And more importantly, just to see which rookies I don't have playing at the moment, I think I'm going to have to swap Rochelle to my midfield and lose Jack Carroll, who I don't really want to, but, you know, negative 124, you've got you, you to get that in. And, and uh, look, he, he looks really good, Nick Martin. He's one of these mature age rookies that I said and just looks right at home at AFL. He does. Have you got him, Liam, in your squad? I do. Um, yeah, he's a surprise packet. Um, absolute surprise packet. So, with regard to fantasy, um, he has probably got the most potential for price rise. Uh, I do have the three-gun midfielders in Horn, Francis, Dacos and Ward who have made me a fair bit of cash already. Um, and so is Rochelle from Adelaide. The rest of the rookies in, in fantasy land, um, apart from Martin and, and Jack Hayes, as you previously mentioned, um, there's probably not too many cash cows, to be honest. So I've got a De Koning and a Skinner down back, McDonald and McInnes through the midfield. Um, Durden's, he's pretty sharp, but probably not a massive point scorer. And then Hugh Dixon. So, um, yeah, outside the ones you've, you've already mentioned and, and the three gun midfielders for the Kangas, Pies and Hawks, there's not a heap of uh, money to be made, unfortunately, in fantasy. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, it seems this year a few of the more expensive rookies are the ones making money, which is an interesting change on things. Um, so let's move on to some pod options. I want to highlight a few options and uh, should we look at these now or will we be looking at these guys in a few weeks? Because there's a few guys who have started well who we wouldn't possibly have expected. Not many people would have these blokes in their teams. Got four here for you. So let me know what you think of these. So first one is Daniel Rioli. He switched to the back line. He's sort of playing that run off the half back flank kind of role. Um, and now that Hooley has retired as well, he could be taking a bit of that spot off Hooley. He's actually forward and defence DDP eligible. Got both positions, priced at 376K. So far, he's averaging 96.3. What do you reckon about that option, Reese? Uh, hmm. I'm not really too sure yet. I did watch that game on the weekend. He was pretty good. Uh, it's just really hard with Richmond. To be honest, none of them are really good scorers except for maybe like short. Um, but at that price, yeah, that's that's certainly enticing. What do you reckon about him, Liam? Have you considered him? To be honest, I haven't. I do agree with, with what Reese said. It, Richmond don't tend to have individually high scorers. Uh, he's, I'm not sure how that sits historically, but just having a look through the last few weeks, I, I do have Jaden Short down back. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think I would be 
I'd probably, I know there's not many cash cows as younger kids, but I'd probably still prefer to hold on and wait for, use them to upgrade to another rookie to, to get some cash in and probably look above him at, um, like you got Doherty, Boyd and these sort of players. That's probably what I'd be doing rather than getting a, a dual position player and someone like Rioli because he's just, uh, the consistency is what I like. Um, yeah. And with him, I just don't think he can be too consistent. Yeah, that's oh, fair enough. I'd probably liken him to an Impy of last season. Impy was serviceable, but he started at a much lower price, I think around 200 and something K, and he ended up averaging 90.8. So that's okay if you start in that price, but I reckon Rioli will end up doing something similar and is paying, paying a bit too much for just averaging that. Another player you just mentioned there, Liam, is one I want to talk about, and that's the Doc. So the Doc has been a super coach and fantasy legend of years gone by, and he looks like he's come back, um, back into form. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to want to start with him because I think he had a problem with some cancer. I don't know if it was testicular cancer or something in the preseason. So I don't, didn't, most wouldn't have thought he was going to play round one, but round one, he's already come out and killed it. And he's averaging 122 super coach points for the first three rounds. Is he someone you've got in your team already, Liam, or is he someone you're considering putting in? Oh, I grabbed him about half an hour before bounce down on round one. Uh, That's good to see you. Because Jake Lloyd, I think, was out with COVID or isolating in round one. Mm. There was something around that. So, yeah, my back line, um, he, he jumped in and I'm pretty happy I got him, to be honest. As I said, he's, he's averaging well over 100. Um, he just it looks like he hasn't missed a beat. He went through, obviously, a massive scare with cancer and he's, he's come out the other end, which is fantastic for him and his family. And for, for fantasy and super coaches um, around Australia, he's, yeah, with Weedering, uh, with the with the pressure on the ball through Carlton's midfield, I, I think he can have a lot of intercept possessions, marks. Um, so, yeah, he's a, he's a musket. He, he won the game for Carlton on the weekend, I, I believe. He, he's, he's run off the back line. Carlton got a goal out of it through Jack Silvani, who... Dave Butcher loves, um, but yeah, he he was his run and dash was just phenomenal, and he's so uh, you just got to take your hat off him. He's pretty courageous, and not a huge bloke. So yeah, I'm I'm really sad that I missed out on him. I went for Aaron Hall instead of Doc, but he's definitely one I think you got to aim to get in. Yep. All right, next two pot options I got for you. Got a couple more left. Um, well, this first one's a two-part, I guess. So, firstly is the bloke Tom Green from the Giants. He's currently the third highest averaging player at, on 139 points behind Neil and Boak. Um, like to look at Bokey as well as a potential option. He's sitting in second, the old fella. What do you reckon of those two options, Tom Green and Boak as two sneaky uh, high-averaging mids? Can they finish in the top 10 mids this season? What do you reckon, Reese? Yeah, I saw Chanta got both this week and that's very, very pick. That's a great pick. Um, he's doing really well. And the other one you said is Tom Green. Excellent. He, he, he's like an inside ball. He, he looks a bit like Cripps, really, when he plays. He pushes forward, he kicks some goals, and at his price, I think he went up maybe 40 or 50 grand, maybe. And he's still only 500. So if you've got an underperforming mid, yeah, he'd be the one I'd want to get. Is uh, what's uh, is he only a mid Tom Green or what's his other position? Yeah, just a mid. Just a mid. 
Is there any chance he'll go to a ruck as well? Because he's been rucking a fair bit. And that's true. That is a good question. He has been rucky. He could get the DDP. So just brought that rule in Supercoach this year. It's obviously a fantasy rule, but it's the first year that we've had after six weeks to become eligible for another position. So he could actually get rucked as well. Jeez, imagine Tom Green in your ruck. That would be phenomenal. Everyone would jump on that for sure. It is an interesting point. When you said Tom Green, I was like, because he has been rucking a bit and basically then he's strong enough to bring the ball in close and then it's it's a four midfield game so it would be interesting to see if that happens as you said I can't remember who they played the other week he was up against a pretty big strong ruckman he beat him a few times yeah he beat Nank like two or three times I was like wow this bloke is a beast it was a high draft pick Um, obviously took a while to get the fitness levels needed to play good AFL footy but he's having some sort of year so um as you said, very handy. I don't think too many people would have him at this point in time. And that goes for Boak as well. I think Boak just gets it done. Um, from all reports, he's as professional as they come. So the, the age and the longevity thing, I don't. it doesn't seem like that'll be an issue this year. Um, and I don't imagine too many coaches out there would have him in. So it could be a really good point of difference, as you said. Yeah. They're both pods. So Tom Green's got 6.5% ownership as of now, and Boak's only got 2.4. So both massive pods wow. if you would want to consider getting them in. Both good options, I reckon. And the last one I want to look at here, uh, this bloke might be talked about a bit later as well, but that's um, young Jeremy McGovern. Is he a super, serious super coach option this year? Usually he's a good draft option but never in the classic, but he's actually averaging 120 super coach points after three rounds. Now I haven't seen many West coast games, but has he had a change up in role? Is it, is the ball going down that end more because West coast are struggling, obviously with all their, their outs, what's going on there. Do you reckon he's an actual option? What do you reckon about the lamb? He is a phenomenal intercept player. Um, I think the way that the West coast play, if there's pressure on the ball upfield, he can have high impact um he doesn't mind getting lateral um to to get that release option and with their kick mark game behind center um there is a lot of opportunity to to get some cheap points through their kick mark style he seems he seems fitter and and it seems to me like he has a bit more of an intensity about him um that's just visually watching a few games the intercept possessions from a super coach, super coach point of view, that that's the interesting one. And and I think he had oh, 16 intercept possessions or something on the weekend, um, yeah. which is quite phenomenal. So not all marks, obviously, um, but it just depends on what sort of pressure the Eagles apply upfield. Um, if the ball is coming in too easy, the way that they structure up down back is is more so in a proactive position rather than arm across one-on-one. So if the ball's coming in, they can get sliced open. Um, but yeah, if, as I said, if the pressure is is there, he, he does look like he's a, a little bit fitter um, this year and his intensity when the ball's in his area, as I said, seems to be a lot better this year. Whether you bring him in or not, risky. Um, but yeah, he's playing some good footy. He's a, a fit McGovern. That that's a rare sight. He's he's one of the blokes that I am uh, post career is just gonna blow out big time. Yeah, he's gonna be tucking into the pies and beers of the footy for sure. But um, I feel like I've watched Jeremy McGovern play for the last 
probably four years up close at Jakarta. But, uh, yeah, watching him on the weekend was seriously impressive. Um, it really reminded me of, of Chanta. Um, whether you get him in or not, I don't know. With Eagles being so shit, you can see that the ball's going to be down there a lot. Him and Bunga, they, uh, Shannon Hearn, they just killed it on the weekend. Hearn got like 150-something, so... Yeah, why not? He's a bit of a pod. I'd, I'd definitely consider it. What do you reckon, Kale? Yeah, I reckon he's... Uh, you'd want to be chasing a pod if you're going for it. He's in 1.6% of teams. If you're somebody who likes a pod, um, someone to consider. I'm not someone who's that into into pods every now and then, but he's a bit risky. I mean, risky in the sense that he'll... The lowest he'll get is probably averaging 85. I mean, he's basically averaged... Since his debut season, he averaged 82.5. And since then, he's between, been between 80 and 90 every season. So he's consistent in that sense. So you're not going to go too bad. It's not going to be a, a failed pick. So it's got some upside, but the downside is minimized. But probably not one I'd go for anyway. All right. So I think that's it for the pods I wanted to cover. Now we're going to go on to the questions. But before we get into the questions, we've actually had a caller ring in, a special caller. So let me just um, play through this. Unfortunately, he hit the answering machine. We weren't able to take his call, but um, let's just have a listen to this and, and see what this, this caller has to say. Hey guys, uh, Rick Olorencio here from Bali. Um, thanks for having me on the DOS Dissection podcast. Um, just wanted to call in and... Uh, Talk about this Liam Anthony guy. Um, I remember watching him at the Kangaroos, a real ball magnet, nice blonde hair. Um, sort of wondering what happened to him. Um, but there's rumours going through Bali that he's, he's potentially going to go and play some games over in Indonesia, um, potentially for the Jakarta Bintangs or the Indonesian Volcanoes. So if he thinks he's going to come in and take my spot in the centre, mate, he's got another thing coming. He's going to have to start in B grade where Chris Hunter plays. Now, Chris Hunter, this bloke, he keeps messaging me because he played in the, in the B division at the Asian Champs. Mate, he's lucky to be in C division. And he's winning, he should be in A division. I know he got all Asian or some crap, but seriously, can you just tell that bloke to stop messaging me? I'm over it. Um, now, Doss, um, he's also been messaging me too because he got spent pretty much a whole day on the bench in A grade. Um, to be honest, he, he lost his leg speed. He was over the hill. He was way past his best. Um, and in retrospect, I should have just started him in the Bs. But at least he come away with an Asian Championships medal. Um, so that's one thing he's got. Probably the only thing he's got in his trophy cabinet. And um, I say hello to Kalen too. Um, I think he pops up on your show occasionally. Um, just ask how his shaft is um, after I put seven stitches in it last year in that huge clash on the wing out in Jakarta. Um, so, yeah, anyway, um, just pass on to Liam when you speak to him that, uh, yeah, he's welcome to come and play football in Indonesia, but he's probably have to come back, you know, through the twos. Um, he won't be just stepping straight into our midfield. It's pretty strong at the moment. And, um, but, you know, feel free to, to, to bring him over and, and have a run with us. But anyway, guys, um, hope to catch up with you guys soon. Uh, Bali's starting to get really busy and um, looking forward to playing a lot, lot more matches this year. Cheers, guys. All right. In case uh, our listeners didn't realise who that was, that was Rick Olorenshaw, uh, former baby, baby bomber. He's the coach of the Bali Geckos. So uh, what, do you, what do you make of that, Liam, uh, after that 
that little call in from Rick. He, he attempted to come go and try to prove your worth over in, over in Bali or in Jakarta and try to try to make the squad. I would I would love to. Um, as I said, I've got to earn his stripes through the Magoos, um, which is fair enough. I like the culture he's trying to create there. Um, but in all honesty, I would love to have a, have a run up there. When when is this season? Pretty much goes all year. It runs round. all year, all year round, mate. There's there's no real ending to the season apart from Christmas. When's the footy trip then? Well, uh, well there's a few. Sure. There, there's several. <laughs> yeah, there's several. Bali's actually going to come to Jakarta. They owe us a tour on May seventh. And then after that, we'll probably arrange a tour to them sometime, maybe in June. We'll see. We haven't arranged it yet. But yeah, with things opening back up, we're hoping we can get out a bit more, you know, Singapore, Malaysia, maybe Cambodia. Asian champs are actually later this year, I think around August or something. You'll probably be in the midst of your footy season. So I don't know if you can make it over for that or not. But uh, if you are free, you know, you're welcome to, to come, of course. Uh, I think anything October onwards I'm not sure if yeah there's many games then that'd be perfect um, as you said my footy season and being a coach it's probably not right for me to just ship up halfway through the season um, to go on a holiday but yeah anything post post the footy season I'd be uh, pretty keen to join especially now as you said with the borders opening up well I wouldn't call it a holiday it's a it's a, it's a hard slog we, we go pretty hard it's um, it's not just about the beers and and partying we do um play some serious footy but then of course the beers and partying do come afterwards um we've, we've yeah. had brownlow medalists come up Kalen, and they've been showing up so you know it's a pretty tough competition it is a tough league tougher than most may think especially when you factor in playing you know a little bit under the weather the next day early morning hot humid conditions yeah the heat 30 degree heat I reckon the heat and the humidity is something that might get me. We uh, had a bit of a humid day here. Nothing nothing that you'd get like in Bali, but yeah, the boys were tonguing pretty early. So that might be something that I'd struggle with. Just another part of Rick's uh, call in there. Thanks, Rick, for calling in. You're, you're a fantastic bloke and a great coach um, and still a very good player, Liam. Um, you, you'd have to play pretty well to kick him out of the midfield. Um, how is your sharp, Liam? Uh, sorry, Cal. I'd just like to correct Rick on that one. It was actually six stitches. So he's making he's making me sound a bit uh, bigger than I am. I don't know if I could fit six, seven <laughs> stitches on this. Six is six is already was already pushing it, already stretching it. But it's it's well, it's uh, it's recovered. And um, yeah, Rick did offer me after that game. I remember a lifetime membership to one of his ventures. I can't remember which one it was. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I've got to take him up on that still, I think, at some stage. So uh, thanks for that offer, Rick. Um, and, yeah, it's all recovered, so thanks for checking in with me. It sounds like um, Chunter and Doss have given Rick a bit of a hard time too, Callum. Sounds like they are. They must be in his ear. They have a few beers and they just get on the get on the messages to Rick. It sounds like I feel sorry for him. But speaking of um, Chunter, and I know you mentioned Jerry McGovern on the weekend, I had, a, I had an interesting couple of messages on the weekend. I didn't know who they were from. Someone just said, oh, can you please call me? I didn't answer, obviously. And then they said, Ross. And I was like, oh, well, who is this? It's got to be a listener. Anyway, it turns out it was Kristen, uh, formerly one of our um, competitors in the Supercoach. And she, she, she's an avid listener. And she asked me a question to ask the panel. She said, I want to ask the panel if I should report an incident on the weekend to the AFL. 
I went down to watch a friend play for South Melbourne third grade on Saturday and saw Jeremy McGovern playing under a pseudonym. I got, he got 37 possessions, 12 intercept marks, a goal, but no tackles. And was later said, uh, seen heading to Tullamarine down to Perth. Should I report this? That is very suspicious. I mean, we're just talking about him. He did chop it up on the weekend in the AFL, but it's, it's, it's even more impressive to see that he's played two games of footy in one weekend. He's still chopping it up in another league across halfway across the country. So that's very impressive. I think you should let him let that one slide. Don't even report that. It's impressive that he can do that. Is it is it possible that she got Jeremy McGovern confused with anyone? Well, there is someone that comes to mind, actually. I mean, both in stature and size, definitely in looks, um, and also, of course, footballing ability. That would be um, young Chunter. Um, I think Jeremy McGovern has said in a few interviews on Fox Footy that he tries to model his game off, off Chunter. Um, so, yeah, it could have very easily been confused with um, young Chunter. Sounds like Kristen misdirected that uh, message to us instead. It should, probably should have been gone to Rick Olerinch or what the sound of it. Yeah, could have been. Could have been. Uh, do you have any other questions there, Reese? Or should I move nah, that's on all, to... that's all I had, mate. All right. So the first one, which is a bit more of a serious question here, is from Rod. We love Rod. He... he He's killing it so far this season. He actually toppled me on the on the weekend, and it looks like he's gone really strong this year. So, I Rod would like to ask about English and cherry or cherry or however you say it. He's asking, is it worth trying to get get these two or hold for a few weeks and generate cash in others? Is it a waste of trades chasing points, or is it valid to try to get them in? So, as we mentioned, English is one that I'm considering this week personally for Marshall. So it depends on who you've got. If you've got someone not performing in the forward line or in the ruck, like me, you can consider English. For Sherry, I'm not sure because he's just had a price rise. I think he's already gone up by about 60K or something. So in that sense, he may be trying to chase a bit there. He still will go up a bit more. He's the number one ruck at North, but I'm not sure if it's worth bringing him in at this stage. He's getting a bit pricey. I think he's at 250, 260, maybe even 270K or something. What do you reckon about that one, Reese? Mm, good question. Uh, English, yeah, I think if, if you haven't got English and you've got underperforming rucks, yeah, he'd be definitely one to go for. And I think I touched on this before. You could possibly go with a cheaper ruckman. Uh, Sherry looks like he's getting, you know, that he's a number one ruck from Goldie, which is really, I don't understand it really, because Goldie hasn't been playing that bad, I don't think. Just maybe they just want to play him forward. I don't know, they might be able to. Um, a little bit more inside on Goldie than us. What do you reckon, Liam? Well, I was actually going to ask this question. It is interesting. Um, as you said, I would have thought Goldie's still got a little bit left in him, but maybe they're trying to educate Cherry whilst Goldstein is there um, playing still. Um, whether you bring him in or not, I don't know. Consistency is the key again. Like you, you, you're proven Ruckman. Um, Goldie is one of them. So whether Cherry can maintain that level, and I know they've also got Coleman Jones, which who I would imagine they're they're trying to get a game into, seeing as though they recruited him. Um, what's what's his price at the moment? What's his break even? So his price is two seventy eight 
k which is quite dear now he was at 210 i believe around that so he's gone up already about 70k um exactly actually 208.2k almost exactly now he's 278k so he's gone up 70k and his break even is negative 36 so still quite low um it's projected to go up another 50k or so next game it might be worth hanging on to him given the fact that there probably is no real standout bona fide ruckman um that are outscoring him by 40 or 50 a week um that that uh, potentially, if you don't have your your two, he's also forward, isn't he? He's actually only forward at this point, so he might get only ruck forward. eligibility soon. But at this stage, he's yeah. actually only forward. Yeah. So whether you trade him out, get rid of your trades to get an extra fifty or so grand, it'd be good to be able to ring David Noble and see what his plans are for the rest of the year with Goldie and yeah, Cherry. That would be handy. Um, <laughs> 50k is it worth wasting a trade? Look, to be honest, that's a that's a good question, and I'll, I'm going to sit on the fence here because I, I don't actually know. Um, I suppose it depends on how much money you already have in the bank, whether there's a rookie that can come on and 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 score 50, 60 plus. Um, so you're trying to minimise the loss in points from losing Cherry. Um, obviously, you're gaining the money. Or do you? Do you bring Cherry in um, and try? Yeah, I'm going to sit on the fence with this one, boys. I'm not helped you at all. Yeah, I reckon it's a little bit too late. I mean, you need to preserve your trades a bit more in Supercoach. We do have more this season, but it's not like in fantasy where you've actually got two every week. You're limited to how many you have. So I think it's not worth bringing in if, if it's just for 50K. You usually want to at least make 100K um, of a trade. That's usually what I equate a trade to um, in Supercoach. If you're not making about 100K, then it's probably not. Not worth it, I reckon. But good yeah, question there. Fantasy would be probably different. Yeah, fantasy is probably a bit different where you got the uh, unlimiteds. Yeah. Yeah, mm. true that. All right, I've got one more question here from um, young, young Chanta. So young Chanta has written in here. He's got a question for the pod. It's good to say he's, he's taking an interest this year. He's trying to improve his side. He's got a key purpose this year as the DOS Destroyer, as his team name is. Um so Chanta would like to ask, I read somewhere Liam has a life-size cutout of him in the main street of some backwater town like Northampton. How many Colts, Resis or league games has Liam played for Northampton? Would you like to answer that one, Liam? Uh, I didn't play any senior games for Northampton. Or I played in the under 10, so I lived there until I was eight years old. Um, <laughs> I couldn't imagine who came up with this question. Um <laughs> Uh, it is a little bit oh, humbling um, what the town has done. Um, obviously, next to the likes of Paddy Cripps and, and JK and Hayes, Hayes will be etc. So, I did not play a culture as his or league game. I, I did play under tens when I was about eight. So, I have qualified. I am family um, with, with pretty much half the town up there. So. Um, Yes, that is true. There is a life-size cutout up there um, in the main strip. So, Liam, I've played more league games for Northampton than you then. You probably have, but you've also played, <laughs> played one? 58 less AFL games than me too. 
That's that may be true. true. That, that may be true, but you still haven't reached the pinnacle. I said this to you last time you are on the pod, you still haven't reached the pinnacle. You know, when, when you can get best on grounds in Asia, you, you haven't reached it yet, mate. So it's true. I'm imploring you to reach country out. Level. I, I hope International do level. You have any, do you have anything to say to Rick? Is, is there any rebuttal? Do you, do you think you can kick him out of the midfield? What's the go? No, I don't. I'm, I'm I'm running on fumes at the moment. It depends who the other two midfielders are. If if one of them's you, then I'm a shoe in for a midfield spot. Um, but yeah, it, it just it just depends. And look, I'm happy to come through the twos, mate. Um, I've tried to build a similar culture with my boys here at CBC. So I should, I assume he's got his reasons um, for not allowing boats to come straight into the ones. Um, and I'm happy to buy my time. Uh, you might get a run in the back pocket or something. I don't know. Depends. Depends what the, the lineup's looking like. That's, By the looks of it, Dawson Chunter aren't going to aren't gonna get a look in anytime soon. I don't think they want you taking the glory, kicking any snags. So, yeah, it'll probably be the back pocket at this stage. And I'll take it. I uh, actually had a couple of runs in the resis and some practice games in the back pocket and did the old shake, shake the hands. G'day, mate. I'm Liam. I'll see you in four quarters. <laughs> Didn't go near a boat, but yeah. Uh, just stayed lateral and got those cheapies, those plus sixes. Jackie Lloyd, Jackie Lloyd doesn't man up. Nah, nah. It's, uh, it's a, it's, yes, you have to be switched on to your opponent, but it's so much easier sitting behind the play and reading and dropping off your opponent. Um, rather than coming up at the ball and then having a turn and go forward or, or starting that stoppage and, and winning the footy. Um, it's kickings, yeah. kickings of stats now. Oh, bloody oath, mate. Oh, oh kicked out, kicked out the Rezzers guys. Like, come, mate, move over. I'm, uh, I'm taking these <laughs> from now on. So, easiest position on the field. I've actually got one more question nice. here. Follow up question from Chanta. He's just added the part two. He just said, um, I also read that Liam has a life size cutout of me in his bedroom. Just how much of a role model am I for Liam, and when would he like me to sign a pair of boots for him? Yeah, look, it's it's been something I've dreamed of for a while now. Um, the, the the cutouts actually glued to my ceiling, so every time I do go to sleep at night, it's it's the last thing I see before I shut my eyes. Um, look, I'm actually working from home this week, so if chances around or willing to fly to Perth and um, Look, I, I would love a pair of sign boots, and I might even don them this Saturday uh, we'll to play. I don't think you'll fit into them, Liam. You, yeah, few sizes are smaller than you, perhaps. <laughs> maybe he's got Fair a wide, wide, wider foot as you, but maybe not a longer, as long a foot as you. You definitely fit into his jumper, though. <laughs> All right. Is he? So uh, that's it for the questions this week. Maybe let's really quickly go on a bit over time, but let's just get a yes or no, uh, a tip for the tips this week in our league. Uh, you might not know these these teams and these blokes too much, Liam, but just go with your gut feel who you reckon is going to get up. So uh, the first match we have for this week is me against Bailey. Uh, I reckon I'm just narrowly going to get the job done here over Bailey. Bailey's doing all right this season. Um, what do you reckon, Reese? I know you got the job done. Bailey's early crowed again. Uh, shit house lineup. Bailey, he was on the pod last week. He needs a he needs to take some of his own advice. What do you reckon, Liam? Me or Bailey? I'll back you in, mate. You seem pretty switched on with your coaching, so I'll back you in. 
Sorry, Bailey. Next one, we got Joel against uh, Rod. I reckon Rod's going to get this one done. He's flying this year, and Joel is currently at the bottom of the ladder. What do you reckon, Reese? Oh, easy, Rod. William. Rod. Yeah. Next one, we've got Chunter's Nemesis, who is Reese. Uh, just saying, so you know, Liam, that's the name of Reese's team this year, Chunter's Nemesis, and uh, against against Doss. So uh, Doss is second last on the ladder, and Reese has been doing okay. Had a narrow loss on the weekend, so I reckon Reese is going to get the job done. What do you reckon, Reese? Are you going to get it done? Yeah, look, I'll, I'll just quickly go through some of the uniques. He's got Jackson, Butters, Darcy Byrne-Jones, Josh Kelly, Took Miller, Jared Witz. He's, he's getting done, Doss. I'll back Doss in. He seems like a really nice guy. Uh, <laughs> Many people would say uh, that about him. Don't, don't. I wouldn't say that. He's going to cling on to that. <laughs> I'll back him in. I have I have a feeling he's 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 turning the tables. He's got something up his sleeve for round four. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure, not sure if you guys know about it, but yeah, we've had a bit of I've heard had a bit of mail come through um, over the previous week, so um, he's looking pretty sharp. There you go, one for Doss. That actually Doss. does sound like Doss. That does sound like Doss. And next we have the Dos Destroyer, who is Chanta versus uh, versus Charlie. So Charlie's Ooh, also flying this, this year, doing quite well. He's on top of the ladder, actually. Um, could be close, though. Chanta's doing okay as well himself, but I reckon Charlie's just going to pip him. What do you reckon, Reese? I'm backing my boy in. I've backed him in every week so far. Chanta, he's come back with a vengeance this season. The Dos Destroyer, uh, he's going to win this one. What do you reckon, Liam? Can you give me their names again? Sorry. Was Chunter versus Charlie? I remember Chunter. Let's go with Chunter. Yeah, I'd hope you remember Chunter. You stare at him every night on your ceiling, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Sorry, just uh, blank mind for two seconds. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, it does happen. You can't remember if he's from your dreams or in reality. Yes, tonight is. <laughs> I do get confused on occasion. And then the last one is Big Butcher against Shagger. Shagger is looking very good this year, I must say. Um, so I reckon I'm going to go with Shagger. What do you reckon, Reese? Yeah, he pit me by a narrow margin the weekend. I was looking real good for that game. So yeah, I reckon Shagger looks real good. I'll back him in. I just would like to know where he got his nickname from. <laughs> well, his name's actually uh, Shane. Yeah, that's a secret. Uh, his name's Shano, so I think uh, Shag was just with the starting two letters. But I'm sure he is a is an absolute shagger in the sack, and he does he does uh, go to town on occasion. One of the best, fella. one of the best journalists you'll find in Asia, too. Yep. Yeah. Good bloke. All right, I think that's all we got time for this week. So uh, thank you very much to my guest this week, Reese, as always, and thank you, Liam, for coming on the pod. Always great to have you. No worries, boys. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, absolute good luck. pleasure. Good luck with your super coach, and uh, hopefully, I can uh, jump in the back pocket sometime later this year. We'd like that. All right, thanks to our listeners. We'll catch you all next week. Bye bye. <laughs>